What's going on, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker, Aaron Parker, back with you today with another episode of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. Uh, West Virginia will look to rebound from a close loss to seventh-ranked TCU. Uh, they hung with the Horned Frogs until the end, and they will look to do so against the last-place team in the conference, Iowa State on the road. Before we get into anything, um, a lot of people, most of you have probably already heard, uh, James Gemitter of West Virginia, his mother, Kim Gemitter, passed away suddenly this past weekend. So please just keep him, his family, in your thoughts and prayers. There is a GoFundMe if you guys would like to donate money their way, um, I believe you can find it on his Twitter or on his Instagram. So just had to get that out of the way. Obviously, our thoughts and prayers are with him and their family as well. Uh, moving on just to more football stuff. West Virginia is coming off a 10-point loss to 7th ranked team in the country where I think they, they played – one of their better games of the season, I think. Um, there were a couple execution issues, especially down near that goal line there. Um, but the biggest thing for me was the second half defense. We'll get into that a little later. But Mountaineers are in desperate need of a win. They are three and five now, and you've got four games left. You got to win three of them to make a bowl game. And it's not like you have anything easier than this week. So you you've got to take care of business this week. They're going on the road. You haven't played well on the road in conference. So something's got to give at some point, and it might be this week for the Mountaineers. Yeah, it's desperation mode for the Mountaineers and Neil Brown's team this week, but it's also it's also desperation mode for Iowa State. I mean, they're in last place in the Big 12, and they're they're 3-5 and five as well, and they're coming off a home loss to an Oklahoma team that's been up and down. You know, I'm sure, you know, at the beginning of the season, Iowa State fans were – probably expecting that one to be a W. So uh, desperation mode for both teams, uh, Matt Campbell and, and Neil Brown. And uh, WV is just going to have to feed off that performance against TCU. I know there was execution issues, a lot of things you can point out, point at. But coming off a 48-10 to 10 loss, I mean, they played a pretty good game. You don't want to be complacent. That's not good enough. You know, it's, hanging around isn't good enough. But played a pretty decent game, and you, you got you to gotta show up on the road. I think that's the big thing with Neil Brown's teams is – you know, they don't win many road games, but half the time they don't show up. So you got to show up, and, you know, it's three and five. It's desperation time. You got to give your best best game out here in, in Ames. Yeah, Iowa State, three and five on the year. Started three and oh, including a win over rival Iowa. Uh, since then, let's just go through scores real quick. Number 24, Baylor, then at home, 31-24 loss. At Kansas, 14-11 loss, where they really should have won that game. I think they missed two or maybe even three field goals. Uh Kansas State at home lost by one, 10 to nine. And Kansas State's offense, after what we saw them do last week, holding them to 10 points. That's solid. Um, at 22, Texas, 24 21 loss. And then Oklahoma last week, 27 13. So they've been in games with every team in the Big 12, basically. And Kansas State's near the top of the conference. Baylor, as we in Texas, are good. Um, so they've hung with some teams there. So Pretty impressive resume despite the record. Um, and they're going to play defense. Iowa State ranks first in the Big 12, allowing 16.6 points per game. They've allowed more than 14 points only three times this season. Um, so that's big. Big challenge for the Mountaineers, and they will be doing it without running back C.J. Donaldson. Donaldson is out for the year. Um, it's it, I believe it's a broken bone in his foot. That's my guess. He looked like he got stepped on live. Um, 
and he had surgery. Neil Brown said it's nothing like a knee, but he didn't release the exact surgery or anything on it. But I believe it was a broken foot of that nature. Yeah, it's unfortunate for the Mountaineers. I mean, that that kid, you know, came on the scene and, and proved that he was a star and, you know, that he has the potential to do that for three or four years. Um, so you just wish CJ the best, but, you know, you got to move forward if you're the Mountaineers and, you know, Tony Mathis and Justin Johnson have to pick up the slack, but they've been kind of battling the injury bug too. So um, I think true freshman or redshirt freshman, rather, Jalen Anderson's going to have to step up, make a couple catches. I know he dropped a slant or not a slant, a uh, a screen pass towards the end of the game. That was a game. horrible throw too. He was going to get killed. Yeah, that, he catches that ball. He's laying snapped in half right now on the turf. Yeah, probably ball probably shouldn't have even gone his way to be honest with you. But you know he's he's being forced into action and he got forced into action in the fourth quarter last week. So um, you know those guys need to need to step up and it's, it's a little scary for the Mountaineers that Iowa State's defense is, is so strong this far because. Um, you know, I see a very incomplete offense right now. I know um, I've talked a lot about the defense being incomplete, but the offense is you know not without blame either. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing, which like the holes we saw with this offense were execution in the red zone. And to begin the year, the Mountaineers were so good in the red zone. And then they have like a first and goal and they run like it was just weird play call after weird play call after weird play call. You run a QB draw. When you have JT Daniels, who has not had a designed quarterback run all year, then you run a fade to Bryce on the left, fade to KP on the right, and you don't get anything out of it. So I I just didn't really understand it. Um, and this offense has to be better, and they're going to have to do it possibly without Tony Mathis, definitely without CJ Donaldson. So for an Iowa State team that's really good against the run, they are second in rushing defense in the Big 12, 115 yards per game. They've only allowed five rushing touchdowns all year. So they've they've got to step it up. Um, injury updates, Justin Johnson, Neil said there's a hope of him playing. And Tony Mathis, his status up in the air, TBD. Um, Rashad Ajayi, cornerback probable. James Gamitter out. Wyatt Milam will play. Doug Nestor will play. Jacoby Spells probable. Lance Dixon very doubtful, probably out. Mumu Bunahad, no real status update. He returned to practice this week. Davis Mallinger is out. So laundry list of injuries there. And there's going to be opportunity for guys, uh, Jalen Anderson, possibly Marquand Rucker. So in that backfield, you're going to have to be productive. I also expect to see Garrett Green take some snaps back there. I know it's unconventional, but expect Green to line up with the Wildcat and run the ball straight through as a quarterback draw similar to what we saw JT do at the goal line while we are talking about it Neil said he wants to get green involved more and they, he said they're gonna have to be creative so as you've seen a lot of NFL fans probably Debo Samuel type thing with him in the backfield if you watch the 49ers um putting wide receivers in the backfield isn't uh is it's not like it's a crime anymore it's not like it's a sin in the football world so Maybe not Garrett. Maybe you throw Bryce back there. Maybe you throw Sam James back there. That really wouldn't surprise me, actually, throwing Sam back there. So a lot of options, but just trying to get athletes the ball in space is the biggest challenge against this good Iowa State defense come Saturday. Yeah, I want to see something different from an offensive uh, a scheme here. Maybe going into you know Graham Harrell's playbook a little bit. But the tunnel screen's getting old. Um, so to see something different, I'd, I'd like it. Um, Garrett Green looks pretty good. He looks pretty like naturally good um, at, at the receiver position. I mean, he's got he's got good hands. Um, he doesn't have stone hands like some of the 
uh, some of what we've seen of what we've seen this year. So, um, you know, I like him to get more touches. Um, I like Bryce Ford Wheaton to come up and, and do something bigger if he can get the the right play designed to him. I mean, one touchdown in his last five games, kind of a garbage time touchdown against Texas Tech. So I like him to do do a little bit more this week. Um, so yeah, and you know, get the get the ball to the talented guys, and I think that starts with Bryce Ford Wheaton, and maybe utilize Garrett Green as well. But I also think there's a point to that. As you said, tired of the tunnel screens, you can't force these guys to ball and predetermine where you're going with the ball. I feel like over the last couple of weeks, especially against Texas Tech, there was a predetermination of we're going to go here with the ball rather than waiting to see how things develop. And I think JT's a smart enough quarterback where it's not like a, he has to be a one-read quarterback. And I think mm-hmm. last year, especially while we're on the top of topic of Garrett Green, when you had Garrett Green in the game, he'd be a one-read quarterback. He'd take one read to the wide receiver. If not, he'd tuck it and run. So when you have JT, who's more advanced, who's really smart, who's been around the game and been in, in this level of football for a while, you don't need to have these predetermined, we're going to throw it here. You don't, you don't need that. And I think sometimes Graham can get caught up in himself and caught up with all this play design and technique, but – I mean, against TCU, which is one of the better defenses in this con- conference, country, no, in the conference, against Baylor, really good. De- like, against Baylor, who stops the run magnificently well, they ran the ball down Baylor's throat. So you've just got to sk- stick to your scheme, stick to what you do well, and not have all of this weird stuff, these weird plays that just don't make a ton of sense. Yeah, they don't, especially, you know, I mean, I feel like as I've watched this team progress, I feel like I said it on the sideline, uh, you know, last week, it's like, man, if you watch 10 or 20 minutes of film on WVU, I feel like you got them figured out. You know, there's they run the same type of plays, and with experience and Bryce Ford Wheaton, JT Daniels, Sam James, you don't need to be one read, like you said. Um, and I'm not sure why Graham falls so, lo- so in love with that tunnel screen, um, you know, against against a good complex defense, especially you know Iowa State or or somebody like that, it's it's not going to work. I mean, I don't I don't know. There, WVU doesn't exactly have a Monroe St. Brown and Drake London, you know, where they can just get the ball and go out in space and you know you know and all that. So, um, going to need to be a little bit more complex than that. I liked what I saw at the beginning of the year with Bryce Ford Wheaton, like against Pitt. Um, you just go one on one to the end zone. Like let JT, you know, put it in his bread basket. You don't have to um limit him to just throwing it to the side two down two yards down the field and making um Bryce run with it and you know, hoping a receiver seals the block. Uh, I've just seen enough of that play. And I think if you watch any film on WVU, you're gonna be expecting it. Yeah, I just you the problem is is that you have really good athletes. It's not like you have any no one to throw the ball to. You have Caden Prather, you have Bryce Ford Wheaton in the backfield, like those three running backs, even like C.J. Donaldson, Tony Mathis, Justin Johnson, those are three really, really good athletes there. And hopefully you get Tony back. Um, hopefully Justin Johnson's good to go. And then you have Sam James. I like Sam James is so underrated for his value that he brings to this team. It's 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 phenomenal. So there's five guys I just mentioned. Throw in Garrett Green, that's six. Like those are six athletes who have serious speed and strength and can do a lot of different things. So don't make it too complex in the ways of getting them the ball. Just get them the ball and let them do what they're good at. And that's make plays. And 
sometimes I think I'm not even trying to not Graham here. I'm just trying to not like sometimes offenses try and get too cute when you don't have to. And I think West Virginia sometimes is trying like TCU at the goal line the other day when they had first to go at the one and they did the end around. Then they did like they did the shovel pass and then they did the end around. And that made no sense. You run the ball straight down and through the middle and try and score. So like some offenses just try and be too cute when you don't have to. Like, get your playmakers the ball, and that's what West Virginia has to do. Um, let's flip to the other side of the ball real quick, and I want to talk about this defense. This whole year, we've been saying, oh, my goodness, this defense is horrible. Oh, my goodness, it's 2012 all over. You know what I mean? So, finally, they seem to have their moment, if that's what you want to call it. Um, they gave up 13 points in the second half to TCU. Those last seven, eh, like, whatever. You know, it's fourth and one. You're, you're putting ten guys stop the run. They go one-on-one, 50-50 ball. But a couple stats here. TCU in the first half, 10 first downs, 98 rushing yards, going for twelve over 12 yards a carry, 234 pass yards, three of four on third down, and 13.3 yards of play. If it's just – if it's me, that sounds like this West Virginia defense that we've seen all year. In the second half, though, they kind of flipped the switch. Six first downs for TCU, uh, 2.9 yards of carry on 19 rushes, three sacks for the Mountaineers, 5.4 yards for a play, and two of eight on third down. They had 162 total yards in the second half. Take out that 29-yard last touchdown play, and it's down to 133. So they did something that I didn't expect them to do, and that was play a lot more man coverage and bring pressure to the quarterback because, as we know, this – defense's strong suit is their front and I think a big part of that was Charles Woods Charles Woods played every single snap on defense last week and he's not 100% um he's still working to try and get to 100 100% but he held his own against Quentin Johnston for the most part who's a really really good receiver um will probably be first team or second team on big 12 when it's all said and done here so hopefully if you get Ajayi back and then you can rotate McCormick and Ajayi opposite of Woods. Um, Raleigh Collins made a big play uh, from that spear position with Malinger out. Um, so this defense, I think you're just tinkering and tinkering, and hopefully they have some confidence, as this whole coaching staff said on Tuesday, and bring that with them from the second half. Because the difference in the second half and the first half was huge on Saturday. Yeah, you know, you you gotta like what you see at that point. Um, you know, I kind of like I kind of like bringing Raleigh Collins, the, the the true freshman. He looks athletic out there. Um, like you said, he made a, a big play, and um, you know, Neil's at the point where you know, um, guys are kind of dropping like flies as far as injury goes, but like as far as you know, overall on field play too. I mean, if you're not giving full effort, you know, he he's come out and said he's gonna look at you know somebody else on the roster. So. Um, I like a guy, you know, I like some some young players to be paired with, with you know, um, you know, the veteran talent there with uh, Charles Woods and Jefferson Austin and, and Dante Stills. So um, Charles Woods, you know, you got to tip your cap to him. I mean, he he had a pretty serious injury, he had to get had to get surgery. Like you said, he played all all defensive snaps last week. Going to have to line it up probably against Xavier Hutchinson this week, probably um, one of the two best receivers in the big 12 leads the leads the league in yards. So I think Charles Woods is going to have his uh, workload cut out for him. Um, and hopefully he can get some help with the safeties if, if he needs it. Yeah. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson's 
he's the real deal. Uh, 77 receptions, 830 yards, five touchdowns this year. It's pretty, pretty good. Um, and they they try and get him the ball different ways, just like uh, we talked about with what West Virginia should do. The biggest thing for me, though, with this West Virginia defense is that yards per play stat. Um, out of 131 teams, West Virginia ranks 121st in yards per play this season. And, like, being a bottom 10 defense in yards per play, uh, like, that's just awful. But then you're able to hold a high-scoring top-five offense in the country in TCU to only 5.4 yards per play in the second half. So I think if you're this West Virginia defense, you have to be able to take advantage of the lesser opponent here in Iowa State and know that it is not this high-flying offense that's going to go score 50 points and use that to fully figure it out heading into the final month of the season. And I think if you're West Virginia and you're that and you're in that defensive room and you're Jordan Leslie, I think that's your goal. I think your goal is to use this lesser opponent to figure it out for the last month. Agreed. You got to use this as kind of a springboard and, you know, no excuses at this point. Um, you know, we kind of talked about this uh, preview in Texas Tech and obviously two completely different offenses. Texas Tech is run and gun. Um, they score points. They'll take 100 snaps um, a game and all that. But we talked about how they turn the ball over. Each of their three quarterbacks or two that had played Donovan Smith and, and uh, Baron Morton had thrown picks um, pretty much every game. And we talked about how, you know, the WV corners and second, you know, secondary and safeties would need to step up and make plays because Texas Tech showed that they, you know, could turn the ball over. And they didn't make any plays. So here we go again with Iowa State, obviously a way less powered offense, but they turn the ball over. They throw picks, freshman quarterback. Freshman quarterback, they're struggling to score. Like you said, they held, held Kansas State to 10 points, and they still lost. Um, so you have to take advantage of this freshman that, Throws turn, you know, throws Red interceptions. Redshirt sophomore. Redshirt sophomore. Okay. They turn the ball over and you're gonna have to make plays like we talked about, you know, pre-Texas tech. You know, it's Big 12. I know he's you know, their quarterback is struggling, but it's a Big 12 quarterback, and more than likely it's not just gonna come right to you. So you gotta make the plays. Um, and I like Charles Woods or Wesley McCormick to do that this week. Yeah, 14 touchdowns and to 10 interceptions is Hunter Deckers' line on the year for Iowa State. If you're West Virginia, 10 interceptions through eight games, like you, you've got to go get at least one, maybe two this week because yeah, you, you just have to. There's really – it's not like there, – there's not a real reason for it. You have to be able to go make plays and prove you can do that. This defensive line, Don, like Dante, go eat this week. So um, set the record for – school record for all-time tackles for loss last week, which was pretty cool. Um just moving on a little bit, uh, talking about what West Virginia has to do to win. Um, I'll go first, and for me, it's you have to keep the ball out of JT Daniels' hands. And before, pump the brakes a little bit when I say that. Um, versus Texas Tech, JT threw for 194 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. This past week against TCU, 275 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, and a fumble. And West Virginia wins the season. JT is completing 66% of his passes. In losses, he is completing 62% of his passes. And in wins, here's the biggest difference for me. He's only throwing the ball 30 times. In losses, he's throwing the ball 40 times. So 
when I say keep the ball out of JT Daniels' hands, I think you have to be more balanced. You can't rely on JT to go win you all of these games. You just can't put that much on him. I mean, you can't become one-dimensional. You have to be able to run the ball. And against a good Iowa State defense, who's second in rush defense, first in pass defense in the Big 12, I think it's going to come down to not having JT throw the ball 45 times. It's going to have him having to throw the ball 28 times, 32 times, somewhere in that range because – as we see, when they lose games, he's throwing the ball a lot more than when they are losing games. And so I think the recipe for success this weekend, especially on offense for West Virginia, is JT throwing less, West Virginia using more clock and running the ball more. And JT can still throw, he can still take those shots, but I don't want to see him throwing upwards of 40 times a game. You make a good point, but you know, just looking at it on the surface, no CJ Donaldson for the rest of the season. Um, more than likely, no Tony Mathis. We're not sure about you know Justin Johnson. Um, so I'm worried that they they will kind of you know drop back and, and force JT to throw the ball 40 times. Um, but you make a good point. You don't want that. You want a balanced game. But I I, I do fear that they're going to force it a little bit with the injuries. In fairness, though, to that point, I mean that is a really good point. You also have some offensive line help back this week. Um, you were West Virginia was kind of forced their hand. Doug Nestor was out and um. James Gamera was out this past week, but Milam will be back at full. Frazier, obviously, still there. Doug Nestor will be back, and then Hubbard on the right. So that left that left guard spot is a little iffy. The like, I don't know. Like you've got to you've got to figure that out. Uh, Tomas Remack, he played a little bit last week, but there there's a lot of shuffling up there, and so hopefully you get some continuity there. Continuity back there. Excuse me, I'm stumbling over my words tonight. Um. But you, you bring up a good point, Aaron. I think without Donaldson, it becomes iffy because, I mean, we saw against Texas Tech, they had CJ only in the second half, and they they did just fine. So whoever it is, I think they have trust in. And whether it be Jalen Anderson, Tony Mathis, or Justin Johnson, I think they're still going to run the ball plenty on Saturday. They should. And, and Jalen Anderson is a, is a former four-star. Um, you know, we heard a lot about him coming out of high school. Um, so I'm sure he's well equipped with the skill sets and knowledge of the game of football to go out there and play. Um, you know, only thing is, it's you know, you're through halfway, uh, the halfway point of the season and he hasn't got many snaps. But, you know, I, I've I've trusted him. Um, I like this running back room. I know they're kind of dropping like flats, like I said, but um, he's here for a reason. Uh, people were excited about him. So, you know, I like him. Um, as far as my, you know, kind of keys to the game, you got a talented defense, but you know, for some for some reason, I think JT is going to go out there and have himself a day. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be some shootout. Iowa State's going to have a good defense; they're going to make stops, but um, I think it's going to come down to you know making plays early. I think WVU needs to go out there and establish themselves as a better the better team early. I mean, Texas Tech, you go out there and like one of the first plays of the game, you have an interception right to Aubrey Burks, and you drop it. You got to get those plays early. Um, you know, Deckers is going to put it out there. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be a couple plays where it's like, okay, it's, or, a, it's a jump ball and you have to come down with them. Or also, when you do make the play, you have to also then back it up. Like, Ruffin gets the pick. Huge momentum swing. Yeah. Crowds into it. Place is going nuts. And then it's like the offense just falls on its face. So it's not only making the plays that are there to be made. It's when you make a play, how does the other side of the ball then back it up? Yeah, you make you make a good point. That was so disappointing because it's like man, Max Duggan. You look at him, 
20 plus touchdowns on the year. Well, I think he had 19 before the WB. I think it was 19 and one. I think it was 19 and one. Yeah. 19 to one. And he had already thrown a couple on the day. So it's 20 some to one. And he throws a pick with three, four minutes to go. You're at home. You got to capitalize. And they, they can't even move the ball forward. So um, I'm talking early in the game when Deckers puts it out. Um, you got to win some of the one-on-one matchups. You got to be aggressive as a corner. You got to come down with it. Um, I know that Burke's play against Texas Tech wasn't some easy play. Um, but you got to come down with those plays. Um, go back to like the Texas game that, you know, the offense went out there and did not perform well. Defense got killed, but early in the game, they had, they had a third down play where it was right there um, and a drop pass, you know, maybe a bad read. And then you go forward on fourth and don't get it. Um, whereas on the flip side, you see a lot of fourth downs against the Mountaineer defense and, and they're converting. So um, you're going to, you're going to need to get those third and three, third and two early. And if you go for it, you're going to need to convert. I don't think, um, I don't think Casey Legg is going to win you the game out there. I think you need to establish yourself as the better offense because we know Iowa State has a good defense. Yeah, and no disrespect to Iowa State. West Virginia is the better team, I think. I mean, yeah, they have somewhat similar records in conference and overall, but like West Virginia has played opponents. Like, Iowa State has played close games, but West Virginia should have really beaten Pitt. Um Probably oh, yeah. should have beaten Kansas. Uh, just that overtime was dreadful. And then they were down the stretch against TCU, um, Texas, and Texas Tech. Not gonna, not even gonna argue those. But they could have two, one to three more wins on their on their season right now. And yeah, Iowa State saying they lost to one, but to Kansas State, three to Kansas, three to Texas. But I truth, truthfully believe West Virginia is the better team. They just have to finally go out there and do, do it and show it on the road. And I'm, we'll see if they can. That's the biggest – that's 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 why you play the game. Yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, the, the Neil Brown area, you don't – they just haven't won many road games. And it's, it's really frustrating when they, you know, go out you know, on, a, on a road trip and don't show. I don't think it's going to be like that, but I do want to mention that um, you know, the atmosphere at Jack Trice Stadium there in Ames is, is pretty underrated as far as um, definitely Big 12 venues go, even maybe nationwide. That stadium is kind of set up like Mount Pushkar Stadium. It's loud. Um, there's there's not much to do out there. Um, so they, they love to see their Cyclones. And if you're closer to Iowa City, you like to see your Hawkeyes. So um, they're going to come out. It, it doesn't matter that they're three and five. It's it's a fan base like WVU. doesn't matter that you're three and five. There's going to be people showing up and being loud. So you you can't lay an egg early. Um, I don't think they will, but you know you can never rule it out at this point. Uh, predictions. We got three other games, three big games across college football world this weekend. Uh, Texas, Kansas State, in Manhattan. Texas is a two and a half point favorite. I'll go first for this one. I picked against Kansas State last week, and I really shouldn't have. They fifty. They about fifty piece to Oklahoma State, and. Maybe they're the team to beat. Maybe it's not TCU. Um, maybe Kansas State's the one that might be holding up that trophy in Dallas the way they looked last week. So I'm going to take Kansas State at home. That's my pick. Yeah, give me K-State. Deuce Vaughn is a stud. Uh, he runs past you know, the secondary all the time. Once he hits a hole, he's gone. So give me them. Give me them at home after a big win against Oklahoma State. That, that was really impressive to me. I thought Oklahoma State would kind of run away with it this year, and that's not the case. Alabama, LSU, uh, in Death Valley. LSU is way, way, way overranked. They should not be a top 10 team, but that's a conversation for a different day. Um, give me Alabama. 
Yeah, <laughs> sitting at 10 or 6-2. and two. I don't buy LSU. Um, sorry, I don't like Brian Kelly. I'll go Alabama. And then the biggest one, basically playing for a playoff spot, is Tennessee at Georgia. Man, I'm a hand and hooker believer, but going to Athens and winning there is hard. However, Tennessee will do it. I think Tennessee's offense is really good. And Georgia's had some close games they should not have had this year. And I think something's going to give at that on that point. Um, I think between those two quarterbacks, I think Hennon Hooker's better than Stetson Bennett. And I think that will be the ultimate difference. But that's going to be a live, electric, awesome, awesome game. Um, it's at 3-30, right? I think. I think it's I think so. probably the probably Brad Nessler game. Yeah, probably yeah. the 3.30 CBS slot. So uh, same time as West Virginia. So if you West Virginia fans get bored, actually go turn that game on. So I'm going to take Tennessee, though, on the road, and they will, t- they will punch their ticket to the college football playoff, and we will have a new dog. Get it? Because Georgia's the dogs. Uh, in the playoff this year with Tennessee after they beat Georgia this Saturday. I really like Tennessee. I picked against them against Alabama. They've won four or five straight ranked contests. That's super impressive. Um, but I'm going to go Georgia at home. They get the job done. They got the job done last year, taking down Alabama. Uh, I don't feel like they've dropped off too much. I know they've had a, a close game uh, once this season. But Kirby Smart's a great coach. They get it done. They're at home. Um, I think they'll win by four or five points. Spreads eight, which is a little – Georgia's getting eight points, like – they're an eight-point favorite at home, which is a little surprising to me. Ooh. But anyways, to our game, one. yeah, to our game, I'll let you go first here. West Virginia, Iowa State, take it away, Aaron. I have not picked WVU in a while. Um, you know, you can call me a hater, I guess, but I'm going to go Mountaineers. Um, hard for me to pick the Mountaineers on the road with their track record over the last couple of years, but I'm going to go 28-24. Um, Bryce Fordwin, I think, is going to, you know, he hasn't been bad, but I think, you know, one touchdown on his last five. I think he's going to get two on Saturday. Um, I think there's going to be a couple rushing t- touchdowns. JT's going to establish himself as the better quarterback. I think that's what it's going to come down to. I think WV gets a stop late, 28-24. Yeah, for me, ultimately, I think it's the talent separation on offense. West Virginia has the better offense, has the more talent on offense. I do think it's going to be it's, – it's, it's, it's going to be ugly for sure. There's going to be stretches where it's going to be ugly both ways. But give me West Virginia 23-17. Uh, that is my pick. So that will do it for today's episode. Uh, Mountaineers, Cyclones, ESPN Plus for all of you wondering. Um, bouncing around to other West Virginia sports, WV Women's Soccer got a win tonight and will be moving on to the Big 12 Championship that will take place Sunday, 1 o'clock ESPNU for all you Mountaineer fans that want to tune in. And then hoops, hoops, hoops. It is back this week. Uh, Monday, men's gets things kicked off. And I think Thursday, women's gets things kicked off. So kicked off, tipped off. Oh, mixing sports here. It is, it is November and it is a great time. Month left in the college football season. Hopefully the Mountaineers get it turned around this week. I'm Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Aaron Parker. If you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. And this is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast.